0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This uh, Sunday is a prelude to uh, Christ's raising of Lazarus from the dead, prelude to his entry into the, to Jerusalem as king, uh, his uh, preparation for his passion, his uh, death, and his resurrection. So we see this as kind of a transition uh, service, a transition uh, gospel text and epistle text, preparing the disciples and us for his entrance in Jerusalem and his passion. And so we hear uh, this, these words of the Lord to James and John that it's, it's the humble. It's the one that lowers themselves that is exalted in God. It's the one that serves the other that uh, is, uh, is his son and daughter. It's it's he. It's his own example of giving himself as a ransom for many. So we see this this humility that Christ is asking of us, but he is going to... Uh, he is going to... Uh, Show us himself how to humble oneself what he what he must do what he will do, we will follow and so this really is a prelude to our redemption uh, our, we are sinful and we need uh, to be forgiven we are impure and we need to be purified we are corrupt we need to become incorrupt we are Earthly, we need to be divine. It's our redemption. It's our, our, our being pulled out of this world, away from the difficulties and the struggles of this life and our sins, our passions, our weaknesses, to, a, to, to the glory of God, to a, to a place where we are lifted above that which we are incapable of achieving apart from him. He is our redemption. And so we see this in the epistle of St. Paul to the Hebrews. How much more than, uh, St. Paul says, shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purifying your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. This is redemption. This is our redemption. This is a very beautiful picture of how we are saved. First, the first point in this is that we are saved by the blood of Christ. Uh, you know, I remember uh, growing up, uh, I had a really wonderful father who did, did everything for me. I mean, every Little League game he was at, every... Uh, in fact, I remember one time, this blows my mind, I'm practicing a junior varsity basketball game, practice. Not even a game. I'm practicing in the gym. It's 5 o'clock at night. It's winter up in the Bay Area. It's cold. And my dad walks in. And I said, what are you doing here? He so says, I was on my way home from work. I just wanted to see you practice. I mean, that was him. And, and I was so taken by that. It, it drew me so much to him because of what he, how he sacrificed for me. He, was, he did everything. He was at everything. If if there was a somebody would we would going to a little league game with a bunch of people and and uh, somebody said whose parents can drive I said mine can and even ask him because he knew he was going. I mean it was just a beautiful thing and my and how I was endeared to him for that. Well the blood of Christ beloved what God has done for us is is exponentially greater than that. So how much then should we be uh, 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 given to him? How much should we love him? How much should our heart be drawn to him for what he's done for us? You know, we hear this word, the blood of Christ. You know, it, it's the blood of God that saves us. It's not the blood of a human being. It's the blood of the person of Christ shed in his humanity. So we really do see this, this sacrifice, this, this giving up of himself. He had the power to redeem us in, in many ways, but he decided to do this for us. He decided to take on our suffering, our pain, our weakness, and our sinfulness. And he, he bore that, that we might be free from it in his, his sacrifice. And so we begin to look at what, he, what who he is, the Lord of all, the creator of the universe, was, was willing to lower himself to suffer on our behalf, to be mocked, to be scourged, to be spit upon, to be beaten with rods, to be crucified, to be humiliated before the world, before the angels before the father before the holy spirit he was willing to do that why for you for you for you we should we should bow and love him forever and ever and ever the blood of christ redeems us beloved It's just not a simple blood. It's a sacrificial blood. A blood that was given up voluntarily for your salvation. When you begin to look at what he has done, and as we begin to experience that through Holy Week, it is unfathomable that we do not love him constantly and continually. I I love my father, and he sacrificed for me, but nothing like this. Nothing like this. So allow yourself to meditate on these things. Allow yourself to be drawn into what He's done for you. And begin to love Him. If you don't, if you struggle with that, ask Him for help. Lord, I want to love you. Help me love you. You know, sometimes we're attached to so much here. So much, our mind goes in so many different places. We struggle with so many things. that it, we're, we're taken away from this very fact that the God of all humbled himself, sacrificed his life, that we might have salvation, that we might have eternal life, joy and thanksgiving in this life. It should should continually stimulate us. We should continually, continually be reminded of that. You know, wear a cross. I've got a little cross. I should wear the cross. Look at the cross. Have it remind you of its sacrifice. When you cross yourself, have it that remind you of his sacrifice love him love him, love him back love him back because he loves you more than you will ever know so that's the first aspect of our redemption and then it says we are we purify our conscience now this Purification, this, this work that we're given to us begins with our repentance. And the beautiful picture of this is Mary of Egypt. And uh, her life started as a harlot. She lives a harlot for, for 17 years and uh, from the age of 12. And she walked into, uh, walked into Jerusalem to venerate the Holy Cross and she was prevented from going in. She couldn't go in. She was like stone walked into a stone and so she turned to uh, the icon of the mother of God there and said please if, if, if I will do what you ask me to do if you let me go venerate the wood of the cross and so she walked in she venerated the wood of the cross and Mary said to her on her way out if you cross the Jordan River you go find salvation and so she, she confessed her sins she took three loaves of bread and she walked across the Jordan River. And she lived in the desert for 48 years. 48 years, uh, 47 years, Zosimos, a priest, was walking in the desert and, and ran into her. You know, no coincidences of God. But Zosimos finds her. And here's this naked woman in the, in the desert. And she hid herself himself, said, Don't, you can't look at me. Because I, I'm naked. She lived in the desert naked. And so he took his cloak off and she put it, put it around her. And she, he found that she was, had, been, had repented in her life, for her life, and became very close to God to the point that when she went to greet him, she walked on the top of the water of the Jordan River. She crossed the top of the water. And so... Zosimos, she begs Zosimos to come back the next year. He comes back the next year and she's departed. And then the story of Mary of Egypt becomes uh, a famous story in the church. And we, remember, we commemorate her the fifth Sunday of every Lent. You know, so what, a, what an amazing effort here. Because see, it begins, our purification begins with repentance. It's not just repentance alone. We have to work sometimes to, uh, to gain uh, a purification of things that we maybe habitually do. You know, for instance, say if you confess anger, so you're an, an, you're angry and you're upset at something, and you confess anger. Well, that's the beginning of your repentance. It's important, but if you if you confess anger, you have to go out and practice love. You have to go practice love. You have to be redeemed in that, and that work, that effort that we have. Is so important to us that when we begin to see our sin we have to practice that which will redeem it that which will uh, push out the sin push the sin away if I if I confess greed I need to practice generosity I need to give give things away my time my money as I have said many times the pastor's vacation fund is very, very thin right now. And so if you'd like to donate, if you've got some problem with greed, you want to donate to the pastor's vacation fund, that's fine. That would be very nice to do. But, uh, so, but the efforts we make in our spiritual life when we repent, we have to begin to practice the corresponding virtue that pulls us away. That pulls us away from these things if we if we struggle with lust we have to practice chastity we have to practice an abstinence from things it's not enough beloved simply to repent because god wants to purify us and the purification means our own work god will help us god will help us but we have to move away from our sin and to move away from the sin you have to practice the virtue that corresponds to it that's a very important spiritual reality because one of our great frustrations, I know mine is, and I know yours is, is that we, 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 we confess the same sin over and over again. Because we're not practicing diligently the corresponding virtue that will, that will slaughter it, that will defeat it. I practice, I, I confess anger, but I make no attempt to love. So guess what my next confession is going to be? Huh? What's it going to be? Anger. I confess greed, but I do nothing to promote generosity. What's my next confession going to be? Greed. You see, it, it, it has to be that. For us, and and the help of a spiritual father, the help of a father confessor that can give you the medicine in your confession to go do that which you need to do, so that you can defeat these enemies, that so you can be purified—not just repent, but be purified. Now I'm not telling you you're going to be able to walk in the Jordan River, but you can live a, a more fulfilled Christian life if you practice the virtues. It it's up, it uplifts us. It's energy building. So to purify our conscience from dead works. From dead works. So, what's a dead work? A work. A dead work is a work done without faith and without love. And, and I do many of those all day long. And you know what those works do? They wear you out. They tire you out. They exhaust you. A work done with no love, no thanksgiving, no faith. You just do it, and they it wears you down. Okay. the The work that we're asked to do is a work with faith, a work with love, a work that benefits the other and glorifies God. Everything we should do. Can you do the dishes that way? You should. Can't I'm looking at you. So so glorify God. Make the house neat, beautiful to glorify God, you know, to serve the other. Can you? we do everything this way? You know, uh, there's a really interesting story Uh, uh, tape, tape, uh, cassette, whatever whatever it is now, DVD, CD. Um, Father Hopko, years and years ago, did a series called The Work of God. How do you work, how do you do the work of God? And he told the story of a man who was an incredible machinist. And he said he made perfect holes. He loved making the holes. He loved them. And he was so good at it that they decided to kind of bump him up into management. But he wasn't that good there. He went back to his boss and said, you know something? I really like making those holes. And he made, because he made them to the glory of God. He made them so well that he was glorifying God there. And he knew he could glorify God and, and, and be a good Christian example because he could work hard and do something really well. And to, to him, it was to glorify God, not for himself. And so he went back to make those holes. He became the great, the hole maker, you know. So, and this, this is such a great testimony, that we can do that, can glorify God. And he told another story in here, this is a, of an older couple in the church, that, you know, they were just, they were just very pious, wonderful people. And uh, they, you know, they they kind of stayed out of everybody's way. And he knew they were really special people. But, you know, you never really, they just kind of helped a little bit around. He said one time he came to church. He was called to go to the hospital late at night. Somebody was sick and he needed to take communion. So he came to the church to get communion. He said this man and woman, 70 or so years old, they were on their knees scraping wax off the floor. It was like 2 in the morning. Because they didn't want anybody to see them, because they wanted to just glorify God. This was their work. You know you think that would wear you out. See, if I told Sean uh, two o'clock in the morning, what you your do the wax. See? See, to them it was their heart, their heart to work for God, to, to glorify God and benefit the other. That's not a dead work. That's an energizing work that lifts us up, that encourages us. So everything you do, you can do it to the glory of God and the benefit of others. That's not a dead work. It's a work full of faith, a work full of love, a work full of joy. So so, so see that and, and take advantage of that. And then finally, all of this is to serve the living God, to live a true and holy Christian life, is to serve God. As he said to James and John, you know, to serve me is to serve the other. And so we are called, beloved, to come to this come to our Lord, who sacrificed himself for us, who lowered himself from the heavens, and became a man and endured suffering and death for our salvation. That should endear us to him. Our love for him should abound. Our love for him should abound. And that in this work that we do, that we repent and purify ourselves in the work of virtue. Continually do that work so that at least when you come to confession, you're getting a little better. A little better. Even that's good. I'm a little better. I heard a great confession the other day. I'm getting a little better. That's good. That's good because you're practicing. You're practicing the virtues. And, and do all your work, beloved, to the glory of God and the benefit of others, and your heart will soar to the heavens. You'll, you'll want to get up. You'll want to get up. And I know a person that his, his goal in life is to make everything better. Every place he goes, everyone he's with, he wants when he leaves, he wants to make it better. That's the glory of God and the benefit of others. So do that do that. Your life will be lifted. You'll you'll feel the redemption of God. It won't just be some concept, some idea. It'll be real and deep and penetrate you and give you joy. So as we prepare ourselves for uh, the entrance into Jerusalem, may our life be purified from dead works. And may we serve the living God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.